Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Like I said, my name is Aaron and I am working with the Salt Company here. Um, And one of the things I have settled into my role pretty quickly and realized is that I'm the guy that they throw on stage when the least amount of people are going to be here. Um, and I've accepted that. It's fine. When Daniel and Brad don't want to be up here, I'll, I'll hop up here for them. Now, I'm, I'm excited to be here today. I'm excited for um, what 21, 21 has in store for us. Um, and I'm just, I'm looking forward to what we have today. Let's pray real quick. Dear Lord, thank you uh, for a new year. Thank you for the ability to step into a new year and, and continue to learn and grow, be challenged. Um, I pray that the, the, the people of this church, the staff of this church, those people that come in contact with this church continue to see uh, Hill City as a beacon of light of your truth, um, of your goodness, of, of the, the gospel. Um, and I pray that we are just continually, um, as a church, seeking to, to find the lost, bring to you, but also pursuing each other um, and loving each other well. It is in your name I pray. Amen. All right, you guys can turn to Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Um, but while you guys are turning there, I, I'm, we're coming out of this holiday season. And in the holiday season, and just in general, I'm a pretty big movie guy. I love movies, but especially Christmas movies. I think Christmas movies are like top tier for me. They're some of my favorites. Um, one, White Christmas. It's a no-brainer. It's a great. I was raised on that movie. I love it. Um, Christmas Vacation, right? <laughs> Christmas Vacation, I have some Cousin Eddie's in my family, so I feel like I kind of relate to that movie. Um, so good, but for me, the one that takes it all, and I, I pair these together, is Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. It's the best, I, I think it is, I think Home Alone 1 is the better story, Home Alone 2 is the funnier one, but I just love them. I grew up, I watch them every Christmas, without a doubt, um, and, and they, they bring some hilarious jokes to my friend group who quoted a lot, but I love those movies, and if you've seen this movie, um, this is Kevin McAllister, right? And Kevin is a young boy who is sick of his family, right? He hates his family. He thinks they're always getting in the way. And one fateful night, he wishes that his family would just disappear. That they wouldn't be in the way anymore. He wakes up the next morning, and his wishes come true, right? His family's not there. He has no idea where they are at. So he goes on this rampage of all the things he's always wanted to do. All the things he's always dreamed about doing, but he couldn't because his family was there. And so for the first time, he gets to do them. So he's a great couple days. He's loving his life. He doesn't have to fight with anyone. He doesn't have to argue with anyone. He doesn't have to answer to anyone, and it's great. But after some unfortunate events, some run-ins with Marvin Harry, he starts to realize that life alone isn't what he thought it would be. Right? It's not all he thought it would be. He starts to miss them, and so he decides for a different wish for Christmas this year. So, so he finds this cigarette-smoking Santa, and he, he makes this wish. He says, I'm Kevin McAllister, and this is extremely important. Instead of Christmas presents this year, I just want my family back. No toys, nothing but Peter, Kate, Buzz, Megan, Lenny, and Jeff. And my aunt, my cousins, and if he has time, my uncle Frank. What he's really saying here is he just wants his people back. 
That's it. That's his wish. He wants his people back. You see, we see these kind of themes in tons of movies. Right? We, we see the, the, the stories of the, the person who loses his friends, loses his family, or, or is alone. You know, you got Tom Hanks cast away. In isolation. Right? Alone. And, and all they're doing is seeking to get their people back. Seeking to get their friends and family back. And it makes sense. Right? Because this isn't necessarily a movie theme. It's actually a human theme. Right, this idea, deep down, we know we are not meant for isolation. We're not meant to live alone. We've been created to be with and in community. And this isn't just a movie concept. We actually go to the scriptures and we see this in that. We go to Genesis 1, very beginning. We have Adam, he's created out of dust into into this perfect world. In a close working relationship with God He's ruling over all the earth, but Adam was without others. He had God, but he was without other humans. And and as we look at the creation narrative, the creation story, we we see something that God repeatedly, repeatedly says and sees as he creates. He creates light. What does he say? It was good. Creates heaven, what does he say? It was good. He creates vegetation day and night, living creatures, and he says that it was good. And at the end, after he creates man, God looks back on everything that he's created. All of those things, and what does he say? It was very good. But then we move on to Genesis 2, and for the first time, we see God see something that he doesn't deem good. Go to verse 18, chapter 2. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man shall be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So here God not only sees, but verbalizes that he knows that man should not be alone. What I take from this, I think, is fairly simple to me as I, as I read this, is when we live in seclusion, we miss out on what is good. When we live in isolation, we miss out on God's design for goodness. You and I, we are not meant to live alone. And many, if not all of us, no matter how extroverted or introverted you are, probably had some sort of experience with this this past year. Right, dealing, dealing with COVID and dealing with quarantine, there was probably times in a bunch of you guys' lives where you dealt with this sense of isolation and you were faced with this idea of loneliness is not good. God makes it clear, man was not created to live and be alone. The question that brings up then is how was man created to live? Right? If it's not alone, then what, how was man created to live? In Genesis, when God sees that Adam is not to be alone, what does he do? He gives him Eve. S- someone to commune with, another human to be with, to live life with. You see, we were created to be with each other. Deep down, that is how God has created each and every one of us. And that brings us to Hebrews 10, 24 
and 25. You guys can follow along. It'll be on the screen, but I'd love for you guys to follow along in your Bibles as well. 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, there's a few things we, we do and don't know about this book. Uh, we, we don't know who exactly wrote it, and we don't know who exactly it was written to. But what we do know by the context of Hebrews, and as we look at this book, is it was most likely written to a, a group of believers who were being persecuted at the time. Persecuted for their faith, killed, tortured, looked down upon because of their faith. That's who this book was written to. And so one of the goals, it seems, that the, that the author is doing here is, is to encourage and teach the readers how to enter in, in, into relationships and to remain faithful in times of persecution. And the author starts off in chapter 10, writing how we as believers have the ability to enter into a relationship with God. Through, through what Jarrell was talking about earlier, through the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, we have the ability now to step into a relationship with God through belief in that. But then he goes on in chapter 10 to talk about what are we supposed to do because of our freedom in Jesus. And more importantly, how to sustain our relationship with Jesus. And that's where we start at verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Make sure we hear that right. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. It doesn't say, let us love and do good works. Right, it's bigger than that. It tells us to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. You see, when we see that word consider, it's meant to help us understand this idea of, of thinking about, of contemplating, of, of examining, to consider how to stir up one another. A anybody else here ever stirred soup? Stirred chili? I don't know, something like that. I, I got that job as growing up because I didn't know how to do anything else in the kitchen. My wife would probably still say that's true. But I always got the job of stirring Right, and I loved it because it made me feel important. I felt like I was doing something. If you've ever stirred soup before, it's actually so satisfying. Like, it's so fun to watch all the contents, like, come to the top. It's fun to do. And you get the smells. It's awesome. I love it. I still claim that job at home. But here's the reality. I didn't know why I was supposed to do it. I just did it because mom told me to. So when I, was, when I was, this word stir caught my attention when I was reading this. And so I looked up. And this is actually in my search history. Why do I stir soup? It's literally in my search history. Why do I stir soup? And here's what I found. The real reason you stir a soup is to keep it moving. Right, right, not allowing it to stay in one place. Stirring promotes even cooking. You guys know I'm not talking about stirring, right? I'm not talking about a soup. No. When we consider how to stir up one another, we are considering how to promote even cooking with our people. With the people of God. That is what we're considering when we stir up one another. Another way to look at it is moving each other towards growth. 
towards a faith that bears the fruit of love and good works. That is what we're stirring. And like I said earlier, the aim of our lives is not just do love and good works. It is that, but it's not just that. It's helping to stir up one another to love and good works. And one another, that's, a, that's, a, that's actually a really powerful phrase. Right? It's this communal phrase, it's this idea of we are called to be a people of one another. Not just myself, a people of one another. You know what happens when you are considering one another? You know what starts to happen? You know who you think less about? Yourself. You're considering one another. And maybe for you that begs this question of, well, if, if I'm only considering one another, then how do I grow? Right, right. How do I know that I'm loving and doing good works? And that is the beauty of God's design for community. Because if we, all, if we are, surround ourselves with people who live with this same ambition, then as we're considering how to stir one another, God's design says you have people who are considering you. It's communal. I push you, you push me. That is the beauty of God's design. And like I said earlier, the author of Hebrews' original audience is the people who are being persecuted. And the author here wants to help them to encourage each other to remain faithful. Community is a way for us to remain faithful. Because here's the reality, faith isn't always easy. Right? There's times in your life where you ask questions of your faith. Young, young marrieds in this room. Right? I'm one of them. Um, me and my wife, our dream is to have a family, to have kids of our own. But one of the fears that, that I have, for sure, I'll speak for myself, is what if one day I get told I can't? What if that's not an option for me? It's going to make me ask questions about my faith. Some of you might feel that same fear. And what happens on that day when you find out you can't? Parents, my mom was going to be here this morning. But, but parents, my mom always told me one of her biggest fears after I turned 16 was that some night she'd be staying up waiting for me to get home and, and, and worried because I wasn't home yet to get that call saying that I wouldn't be coming home. Do you get that call? Faith all Sunday isn't as easy. It's going to make you ask questions of your faith. And if you try to handle these type of questions in seclusion, on your own, in isolation, that is when evil gets a foothold. In seclusion. Speaks lies into these questions. Leads you astray. Just like he did with Eve at that tree. He leads you astray through the lies he feeds you. You see, when we live in seclusion, not only do we miss out on what is good, we open up ourselves to attacks from the evil one. I find it interesting that we talk about seclusion and, and living alone. We look back at, at, at Eve when she approaches that tree. You see, the serpent approached her when she was alone. 
not when she was with Adam, when she was alone. See, God's design for sustained faith and growth is communal. It is not individual. It is communal. That is God's design for you and I to sustain our faith and to continue to grow and be shaped more like him is meant to be done with others. God's design for you, God's design for me is community. And God's design is good. It is a good design. And now, please don't hear, please don't hear me saying that, that community is the absolute only way you can grow and have faith. It's not what I'm saying. There are things in our lives that we can each do individually to grow and, that, and, to, continue to, and, and to continue to grow in our faith. But I am saying that living and growing with others is an essential part of becoming more in tune with who God has created you to be. It is an essential part. And it's funny because we even look at the other facets of our lives, the other areas of our lives. We're, we're on the New Year's resolution time of year, right? Everyone's got these, these new things they want to do, these things they've decided are going to be done. And we do these things with community. You, you mean, you think, I want to I read more books this year. A lot of you would go and join a book club, right? To surround yourself with people who want to do the same thing. You want to eat healthier. I fell victim to this because my mom would decide, hey, I want to eat healthy, which means the rest of us ate healthy. I was victim to this. But why did she do it? Because she wanted to surround herself with people who want to do the same thing as her. Maybe it's you want to get in shape. Fun fact, CrossFit is not successful because it's a great workout program. CrossFit is successful because it's a bunch of people gathered together on the same mission and have the same goals, and they gather together with people who have the same ambition. See, so many things in our life, we look towards others to help us grow, in, and why would it be any different when we look towards growth as a follower of Jesus? Why would it be any different? God's design for sustained faith and growth is communal with people. Verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, that day, the day of Jesus returning. Restoring this place, this earth, to what it was supposed to be. This text, you see, can be taken in a few different ways. One way is, is that of the church, right? We as the church must not neglect gathering, right? And sometimes it looks different. Sometimes, like when we were in quarantine, it looked a little bit different. But we as the church, as the body of Christ, are called to gather and be together. But this is also, verse 25 is also talking about just gathering with others. Gathering together, you know, Matthew eighteen twenty, where two or three are gathered I am there. God is there. We're to gather together outside of the walls of these church, of this building. And, and as we read verse 25, it's not like this neutral thing. Right? No, the author says it is neglectful if we decide to live in isolation. 
It's not just, eh, it's neglectful. At Hill City, one of our core values is church family. Something we believe in strongly, this idea of, of having a family that is outside of your immediate and blood relatives. It's about the body of Christ coming together and you having family when you show up here on Sundays. Being with one another, knowing what's happening in your lives. Considering you. You considering them. And one of the ways that we, we do church family is, is through what are called city groups. Right, and city groups are small groups that meet once a week. And they gather to do just that. They gather to to break bread together, to love each other, to know what's happening in their lives, to seeing what is God doing in you, what is God stirring in you. And we don't have these groups just as another thing to have on our agenda. Right? It's just not another thing to say that we do. No, we have these groups because we believe it's a vital way to connect with others and continually stir one another to loving and living in alignment with Jesus. That's the point of city groups. And here, here's the reality. If the only time you spend connected to the church is on a Sunday morning, then you're missing the point of the church. You're missing the purpose of the church. It's not just meant to show up on a Sunday, sing some songs, hear from a preacher and then go home and call your week good. No, the point of the church is to be a family. It's to be a body of Christ, the bride of Christ. You see, for me, I'm, I'm in a unique season of life. I, 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 in the last year and a half, got married, moved to a brand new city, got a brand new job, got a brand new church, away from my family for the first time. And I've seen this play out in my life over the last year and a half. Right, I, like I said, I got, I got married over the last year and a half. And the reality is I thought when, when I got married, you, you, you older married people are going to laugh at this. I thought when I got married, all my problems were going to be solved. Right, things were going to be great. I was finally going to feel fulfilled. And I know there's some of you singles out here who, who all you want is to get married. You think once you get married, oh, we made it. Honestly, one of the things I found out and I was expecting in a marriage is for my loneliness to completely dissipate once I got mar married. But honestly, I've actually found out that, that marriage at times magnifies my loneliness. Right? I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to live with my best friend. What else could be better? But at times, I've never felt more alone than I have in marriage. And it's not because of anything of my wife. It's because the design of God isn't for someone to fill that, for one person to step into that. There's things that are missing, and here's the reality. If I didn't have people in my life to speak into that, to consider me, to stir me to love and good works, I don't know where I'd be. Daniel, Emily, Michael, these are people in my life who have poured into me and loved me and helped me become a better follower of Jesus and look more like him. I still have a long ways to go. They have a lot more work to do on me. But they have stirred me because we have not neglected to meet together. They care. Some of you might be sitting there thinking, oh, I don't need that. 
I don't need it. Um, things are good. I'm in a good season of life. I'm, I'm not struggling with anything. Nothing bad's going on. And that's awesome. I'm happy for you. I think those stories are coming fewer and far between with 2020. But I'm glad you're in a good season. But here's, here's the question I want to ask you. You might be in a good season now, but what happens when you're not? Right? What happens when stuff hits the fan and everything changes? And you've neglected to meet together. Where does that leave you? Right at that point, is it too late to join a city group? Because this, this is work. Right? To, to build these kind of relationships is work. You don't just join a city group and everything changes like that. It takes work. Up here is a picture of Chad and Emily Hartman. Um, they're, they're an awesome couple. They, they are members of the church. They serve this church well. We're very thankful for them. Chad and Emily are in one of these city groups. And about a year ago, a little over a year ago, they shared with their city group that they wanted to start a family. But that they were really struggling with it. They weren't able to at the moment, and so they just asked their city group to pray over them, and they did. Their city group prayed over them, they loved them, thinking about them. And two months later, Emily's pregnant. What a blessing. They were so excited, so excited for, for the Lord fulfilling their prayers, excited to, to start a family. Nine months pass, we get to this past November, and Emily goes into labor. And if you haven't been to the hospitals anytime recently, if you're going for any extended amount of time, they test you for COVID um, to, to see if, if you need to be um, isolated or you're clear. And when they got tested, Chad tested positive. His wife's going into labor, he tests positive. And they, said, they send Chad home. His wife in labor, Chad is sent home by himself. And then Emily, after, after she gives birth to their newborn baby, Ruby, they send Emily home because of her exposure to COVID. So Chad and Emily are away from their newborn daughter. While Ruby is at the hospital by herself, their only way to see her is through FaceTime. And they find out that Ruby's been admitted to the NICU. She's having some serious lung issues. She's sedated. She's got tubes in her, and she's away from mom and dad, and mom and dad are away from her. Seems like a hard time to remain faithful, right? Seems like you're going to be asking, asking a lot of questions of your faith at that time. But Chad and Emily have been living life in accordance with, with verses 24 and 25. You see, they have surrounded themselves with people who consider them, people who think about them, people who want to encourage them and love them and stir them to love and good works. If you look up here, this is a picture of Chad and Emily's city group outside the hospital, praying for baby Ruby, that she'd be healthy, praying for Chad and Emily that they'd be healthy and, and also just to be sustained during this time. That was their prayer. And in this picture right here is Chad and Emily, 11 days later, holding their baby girl for the very first time. 11 days. It's a long time. But they had people surrounding them. 
that we're considering this. Guys, I think this is the vision that God has for the church. This is the vision that God had for his bride when he tells us to consider one another and not neglect to meet together. It is putting people around us. We're thinking, praying, and loving each other. I think God wants, wants us to, to see how Jesus wants to, to use those around us to continue to push us towards him. But that we may also see that it is not only the responsibility of others to stir us, but that we see how each and every one of the people we surround ourselves with, we have the opportunity to stir towards love and good works. To push them to the great Father. The true comforter. God's design for faith, sustained faith and growth is communal, not individual. And I think that begs a couple of questions from us. A couple of questions that I've been wrestling with as I've even been looking at the sermon. One is, am I being stirred? Have I placed people around me that are considering me and loving me, but also pushing me towards love and good works? The second question is, am I stirring others? Right? We, we live in a, in a society that can become pretty consumeristic pretty quick. Am I considering others? Am I looking how to not only be served, but also to help others and push them towards love and good works? Guys, we want this for this church. We want to be a church family. So, so if, if Hill City is your home, please get in a city group. Get in a city group and seek people like Chad and Emily have that will surround you in times of need, but also that you may surround in their times of need. If you're not in a city group, join one. If you are in a city group, remain faithful. Love those people in your city group relentlessly. Allow them to love you relentlessly. It's been weird with COVID doing city groups, but please know that once things, and as we continue to move towards some sort of normalness, that those people are going to come back that maybe you haven't seen in a while. They're going to need help remaining faithful. Be that.